Yes, indeed. Good morning, and thanks to the help you get from ASC Certified Technician Dan Burns from Lloyd's Automotive. We'll uh, keep that running for you. Good morning, Dan. Good to see you. Good morning. Good to be here. A little chillier than it was a week ago. You know, we've been talking about this day yes. since October that it was going to come, true. isn't it? And here we are. If if you got your car ready for winter in October, you need to do it again. Now it's been so <laughs> right. long, but it's a matter of it, fact. It, took, it was yeah. a slow. It, it it was slow to come, but but here we go and. Uh, and uh, here's a taste of winter. A but look bit. at it this way. I know we had some snow last April, but uh, it's almost the end of January. Yeah, that's right. You Looking know, at it that way. Our uh, our battery salesperson was grumbling a little bit because it's, you know, it's been so sure. warm. People have, they usually get a big boost of sales with the first cold weather. So now this week, uh, battery sales will be significant. I'm sure yeah. they, they will. Yep. All right. If you have any kind of a car care question, give us a call or send Dan a text. Uh, the phone number, we've cleared them. The folks are calling in right now, uh, 651-989-9226. Text is 81807. Uh, we saved some text messages, down from last week, as you recall. Oh, good idea. And uh, let's see if we can't help some folks out that were kind enough to do that. Uh, let's see. Did they say what kind of a vehicle it was? Uh, oil sensor, they do not. Oil sensor started leaking. Got it home and fixed. Lost two quarts. Do you feel any damage was done? We had a similar yeah test to this. Certainly not. That's uh, too, there's, there's like you said. There's some residual oil. Lots of oil. There. Lots more oil than that in the res- in the uh, in the oil pan. So no, that'll that did not hurt a thing. That'll be just fine. All right, six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. I got a text early this morning, Dan, about uh, uh, car repair shops and warranties. Uh, do you guys have any kind of a warranty on your work that you complete? We yeah, we do for sure. Okay, yeah, it's uh, depending on the type of work, one to two years. Uh, okay, on, on the uh, parts and you know the labor usually kind of follows that, and unless uh, something is different about it. But and then the the good news is with our association with Napa, for example, uh-huh. uh, they have if if we got the parts from Napa, they have a warranty that actually goes all over the country. So if you have your car fixed by me in uh, in St. Paul and if uh, you drive across the country and have trouble in Los Angeles... With that uh, particular... With that point. particular part or that even the, just the, the whole repair, not, oh. not just the parts that right. Napa supplied, but uh, with the whole repair, if uh, trouble happens, then uh, they'll take care of it out in California for you through Napa and... So that's a, that's, that's, good a, to know. that's a slick program, and so there's lots of programs like that <clears throat> that are available, and it makes good sense to ask about that when you're having your car repaired. Uh, what is the warranty? How far does it reach? You know, is it just through you, or or can I take it all the way across the country? That's so, good. I don't think yeah. we've ever really talked about that. Before. Yeah, no, that's that's good. Uh, that's good. Yeah. Good to know, and uh, you know, lots of people uh, would have a warranty that. They're probably not even aware of. I so bet. If you have yeah. trouble, make sure you call where the uh, car was repaired. Because first off, there, the, you know, we look forward to take care of pro- take care of problems that happened at our shop. We want to take care of sure. them, <clears throat> or we'll uh, certainly help you find somebody that will. Thanks to the texter for that question. If you want to send Dan a text instead of a phone call, eight one eight zero seven. Speaking of phones, Andy is calling in from uh, Marina. I guess Andy. Good morning. Yeah, good morning, guys. What can we do for uh, you? Well, I've called a couple times on my uh, on my commuter car. It's a 1990 Cutlass Sierra, and ever since I bought it, um, 
the charge indicator, the alternator light, comes on when you turn the headlights on or when you uh, you do, you know, have any heavy load on even the rear defroster. Um, it just kind of uh, doesn't necessarily come on full brightness. Now, I've checked the battery, and with the vehicle off, the voltage is 12 and 3 quarters. The um, voltage uh, when the car is running um, is about 14 and 3 quarters, so it's, it's about right. Um, any suggestions as to like the circuit? Because it's 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 fine. I've been driving it, driving it, driving. It. I put like six thousand miles in the last three months on it. Right. So I think I think what you're what is going on here is the the uh, alternator uh, while it's failing is strong enough to keep up. So if the light doesn't bother you and you keep track of it, you know, keep it, for example, if the light the the alternator the warning light starts to come on brighter uh then you'll probably want to replace the alternator but if everything stays the same it's working and uh it it's probably not putting out as much amperage it, while it's putting out the voltage that you need it's probably underperforming in the amperage department so if you had the headlights on and the rear window defrogger and the heater on and all that uh there's a chance that it might not be keeping up uh, with that to keep the battery charged, but uh, with your driving habits and with the amount of accessories that you're using, it's putting up putting out enough to get you by, and uh, that's probably uh, just fine. The fact that the light is on is is uh, rarely do we find a problem anywhere else in the circuit. If the light is on even dimly, uh, most often that is in the alternator itself that's causing that light to come on. And most often, also, it's related that it's while it's charging, it's not charging up to capacity. Uh huh. All right. So. There you go, Andy. Thank you. Uh, Mike in Maplewood is next on CCO. Good morning, Mike. Hey, good morning, guys. <clears throat> what can we do for so you? I, yeah, I have two problems. If it's related to my heat coming into my car, I have a 2013 Chevy Cruze. And every time I slow down or stop at a stop sign, the heat stops blowing. And then at least once a trip, I smell kind of an oily smell through the vents. And it's pretty strong, but then goes away after a couple, three, four minutes. Mm-hmm. And when you say the heat stops, it stops blowing or it stops blowing warm? It's blowing cold. Yeah, sorry. It stops blowing warm air. Okay. so it's, It, it just uh, blows cold air. Yeah. Um you're, you're, what's probably going on there is is your the engine temperature is uh, probably not as warm as it's supposed to be as it needs to be to uh, keep going. And when you're when the we have the engine RPM up high enough when you're driving down the road, the coolant is flowing through the heater core fast enough to keep it warm. But when you uh, stop at a stoplight, the coolant is not flowing fast enough to keep the heater core warm. And that's why the air gets cool. So I think it, what you're probably going to need to do is replace the engine thermostat to get the uh, engine warmer. Uh, you'll also notice you get a little bit better gas mileage when you do ah. that. But, uh, but at any rate, get the engine warmer, <clears throat> and you'll probably find that the, uh, that the heat improves. And uh, if, if at a stoplight every once in a while you're smelling a little puff of oil, that's probably exactly what's happening is you've got a little oil leak under the hood, uh, somewhere near where the 
uh, air comes in for the heating system, which is on the back or, you know, the fi- near the firewall. And uh, if you look for an oil leak, I bet you'll find one uh, where a, a one little drop of oil on a hot exhaust pipe makes a big smell. Does it really? Yeah. yeah. So uh, that's probably what's going on there. Fix the oil leak and get a new thermostat and you'll be back in business. Good deal. Bill in Lino Lakes is calling in this morning. Bill, what is your question, please? Yeah, I had actually called in before on uh, uh, 2009 Mercury Milan shaking when it got up to 50 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Had the U-joints and the front uh, suspension arms changed, and it got a little worse. The guy said the drive shaft was out of balance and balanced it, and that made it better, but it's still there considerable. Mm-hmm. And I think you had said to change the drive Maybe get a new drive shaft. Well, at least explore that. Yep, I think that's uh, that would be the. I'm... Okay. Well, for, I, go ahead. I'm, what I'm th- what I'm thinking now is, uh, you know, maybe you should get another opinion because that's that's kind of one of those things that if an if a uh, professional drives it, maybe you'll come across a guy that's seen that before, or felt that before, and and it'll be clear what it is. But uh, I mean, if this guy's having trouble. Uh, maybe you should get another opinion. But at any rate, what did you find on the drive shaft, or did you have that replaced? Well, the the two questions I had is: it going to be harmful to the vehicle to wait to change that? And do you have to rebalance the drive shaft like a tire when you put a new one in? No, uh, the new drive shaft will come balanced, um, and I don't. It depends how you know. If, is it going to hurt anything else? You know, when something's shaking. Or you know when you're feeling a vibration, that's not good. I mean that causes wear and tear. So uh, I'd hate to say that it's going to be fine, uh, unless it's very minor. If it's very minor, then it, it you know it probably will be fine. But I st- I still think I'll go back to my original answer. I would, if I was you, I would encourage you to go get another opinion, have somebody else take it for a ride with you, and uh, and see what's going on, and see what somebody else thinks. Yeah. Sometimes just another set of eyes in life really True. helps. Doesn't yeah. It? And, Bill, if you do that, let us know down the road, pardon the expression. Yeah. Uh, if you uh, can, we'd like to find out uh, if that was the solution. All right. We need to take a real fast break. Kelly, you're going to be next. Then we'll grab some text messages for Dan. 651-989-9226. Text is 81807. Keep in mind, Dan Burns will be here till just about 745 this morning. So don't wait. Call or text here on CCO. We are in the midst of our car care show Denny Long here with ASC Certified Technician Dan Burns from Lloyd's Automotive, located where now in Grant? We are, at, is and always has That's been, been. <laughs> <laughs> at 982 Grand Avenue uh, in St. Paul, right between Lexington and Victoria. You can find us on our new website. Uh, if you haven't visited the new website, go go check it out. It's uh, it's pretty cool. It is. Lloyd'sAutomotive.net, L-L-O-Y-D-S, Lloyd'sAutomotive.net. Or you can give Nick a call as soon as this morning at 8 o'clock at 651-228-1316. Very good. Well, uh, Dan, we promised Kelly West St. Paul would be uh, first out of the shoot here. Thanks for waiting, Kelly. What can we do for you? Um, I'm calling in response to a question last week about the difference between summer and winter gasoline. And then it got into ethanol content. First, I'd like to address the three basic 
types of gasoline we have in Minnesota. We have E85, which is designed for flex fuel vehicles and is also used by some people on high-performance engines because it's 105 octane. The ethanol contact content actually decreases in the wintertime to aid startability. So it's not E85 in the wintertime. It's more like E60 or E65 in the wintertime. Then the second category gasoline is the gasoline that most of us use, regular, mid-grades, and premium, and that is mandated by law to contain 10% ethanol all the time, and it never changes summer or winter. It's always 10%. Then there's a third gasoline. By law, each station is allowed to have up to one pump that has non-oxygenated premium. It does not contain ethanol. But it's not the regular premium. It's just one special pump, and that's designed for older and antique vehicles and some older small engines. I personally don't see any need to use use it because your fuel system has most likely been updated if the car's that old to be compatible with that small percent of ethanol. Okay. Now the question about winter versus summer. The difference between winter gasoline the petroleum industry puts a lot more light ends and volatiles in winter gasoline aid cold weather starting. These more volatile substances have less energy. So no matter, even if you kept some of that and ran it in the summer, you would get lower miles per gallon because winter gas has less energy because it has a lot more volatiles in it with less energy. Okay. So that's the answer to the question of summer versus winter. All right. Good. Very good. That was uh, quite the lesson. I think he called on uh, on aviation fuel or something. I too. think you're so right. He, yeah. He, yeah. He, sure, he knows his stuff. He certainly knows a lot yeah. about fuels. So that's, uh, that was way better explained than I was able yes. to do. So yeah. Thank you, good Kelly. Job. Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, Jack is calling from Andover in the meantime. Jack, thanks for waiting. What's your question? Uh, good morning. Uh, I have a 1998 Mercury Mountaineer that sits up at our cabin in Hackensack, and when we get up there in the garage, it starts perfect, it runs great, but as soon as the engine warms up and I shut it off, let's say for I go into a store and come out, then it hesitates to start on a longer period, but when the engine's cold, it ignites and starts immediately, and I'm wondering what's the deal with the warm-up? Well, I wonder if you have a leaking fuel pressure regulator. It's... uh a vacuum diaphragm, and after you shut the vehicle off for a few minutes, uh, if it's leaking, a little bit of fuel leaks into the intake system on the car, and when you go to start the car, it's actually flooded. There's too much gas there. Um, so one test that I'd recommend you trying when the when you're, next time you're in that situation where the vehicle would normally be hard to start, give it half throttle, which is giving it more air. If you give it half throttle and it starts... Uh, normally, then I think you pro- it probably is flooded a little bit. And uh, if you locate the fuel pressure regulator uh, after you've started the vehicle and, and let it run for a minute and then just tap the vacuum line a little bit, uh, you'll see if you see any fuel at all dripping out of it, then it has ruptured and it is leaking. Okay. So that's On that vintage of a car, that was a common repair. Was it? We okay. did those all the time where, where the vacuum or where the... Uh, Fuel pressure regulator was leaking. There you go, Jack. Thank you. I want to alert Paul in Rochester. You're going to be next, so don't go away. Uh, We have to take a quick break, then we'll grab some text messages as well. 
All right, welcome back to CCO's Car Care Show. Dan Burns from Lloyd's Automotive is with us. We'll let you know uh, from there how to get a hold in touch with those good folks. In the meantime, Dan, we uh, promised Paul in Rochester. Paul would be next up. Thank you, Paul. What is your question? Good morning. You guys are great. Thank you. I've got a 2016 F-150 and about six months ago when first starting to roll in the morning, it's got kind of a growl in the front end. It uh, doesn't matter if it's in two-wheel or four-wheel drive. doesn't matter if it's in gear. I, I, feels a lot, I can feel it a little bit in the steering wheel, and I'm wondering if it's power steering or brakes, or should I be concerned about it? I well, don't know what's going on. <laughs> you know, noises I always want to hear, but, uh, but based on what you were saying as I was listening, <clears throat> I w- my first thought was that you have a wheel-bearing growling as you're driving around. So my first question would be, does it do it only when the vehicle's moving or will it do it sitting at the stop light also? Has to be moving. Has to be moving, yes. Yeah. So now I'm back to my wheel bearing idea. I think that could be what it, what is going on. If you get on a nice, smooth stretch of highway and it's making the noise and you pitch the steering wheel just a little bit to the left and a little bit to the right, if that noise changes significantly, then I would give you one more vote that a wheel bearing is going bad. And uh, the third reason I'd give you it is, is that, or the vote is that it's a very common on that vehicle. Is we, it? Yeah, we do replace yeah. a lot of those wheel bearings. So uh, if, if you're in doubt, try the test I just told you. You know, pitch it a little bit to the left and right, see if the noise changes significantly. If it does, then I'd recommend swinging through a shop, uh, asking one of the guys to go for a ride with you. Uh, we hear that noise all the time, and we're very good at identifying it. Mm. So... Uh, Somebody would be able to help you real easy on that. Thank you. All right, Paul, thank you. Thanks for listening. Appreciate the call. Text number is 81807. I don't want to forget our texters either, Dan. Here is one. Uh, 2012 Honda Accord V6. After returning home very often, I hear an obvious ping from under the hood. Uh, 20 minutes later, uh, cool down. What 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 do you think that pinging is coming from, Uh under the hood. Well, I wonder if it's just the exhaust. Have you? You've oh, probably heard this, yeah. where you're as a any piece of metal. In fact, I heard it on my radiators last night in my house because <laughs> it's so cold. But as metal heats and cools, sure. you'll hear that little cracking, pinging noise. And uh, if that's what it is, and it probably is, it's absolutely normal. Uh, happens all the time. All right, very good. Turn the radio up and listen to WCCO <laughs> more closely. Right. Mask that noise. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Texter says a, a pop, some pop was spilled into the HVAC controls on a 2000 Crown Vic. Controls died. Dumped water in the controls. Can't hurt, right? Yeah, <laughs> controls, controls resurrected but have failed again. Any thoughts? Well, maybe you want to, you might want to get some help uh, on that because if you were to take, if I was to take the controls out of the vehicle and clean them on my bench with, uh, more of a solvent, and then blow them dry. Uh, we have had good success with resurrecting that sort of stuff, but you're on the right track. Uh, and the other thing is sometimes those uh, HVAC uh, controls, while it looks ominous to, to remove them, oftentimes it's not. Oh. Oftentimes it's just, you know, remove a little cover and four little screws and the whole thing's sitting in your hand. So... You might want to take it in and... and uh, Not necessarily the end of the world. Yeah, well, and as long as they have it out, if it doesn't work, then they can just order another one and uh, sure. and repair it for you, too. 
Let's get back to the phones, Dan. Bruce in Lamberton is uh, calling in this morning. Bruce, what's your question for Dan? Yeah, thanks for taking my call. Mm -hmm. I've got a 2016 Chevy Traverse, and after you drive it for a while, at least this is what we think is happening after you drive it for an hour or so, if you have to stop and put gas in it, you can't get gas to go in the tank. I think it's fine by the next day. So what is going on with that? Well, uh, first of all, Lamberton's the town right next door to where my wife grew up in Walnut Grove, Minnesota. So uh-huh. I'm very familiar with Lamberton. But uh, at any rate, you know, they, there's as part of your evaporative system, the system that, that uh, keeps ga- all the gas vapors in the engine in the car, there can be no leaks in that system. It does self-test to, to test it to be sure that it's working properly. Uh, but one of the things that it needs to do is when you are putting fuel in the car, there's a vent valve that needs to open to let air out. You know, when you're filling a, uh, any sort of bottle or something, and when as you put fluid in, the air needs to come out. And if your vent valve is not opening like it's supposed to, then uh, you can't get fuel in. And I, I suspect that's what's going on. Um, so if you take it into the shop, they'll, there's, with my scan tool, I can operate that vent valve, uh, you know, turning it on and off and checking and seeing if it really is opening. Or oh, not. Okay. But I, I would guess that that's not opening like it's supposed to. And that's the problem. Very good. Good luck, Bruce. Thank you. Uh, we, I don't want to run out of time here. I want to help some more texters. Uh, 2003 Malibu. It randomly dies while driving. It restarts, but it happens frequently. A new battery was installed, and it continues. We've had it to two different mechanics, and they cannot recreate the problem. Any suggestions? Well, that's a bummer when you yeah. can't recreate the problem. So I brought you. it to two different places. <laughs> I'll tell you what I do. Here's when in a situation like that is I would hook up uh, a whole bunch of equipment. Uh, I'd be checking for spark. I'd be checking for fuel, fuel pressure. I'd be checking for uh, um, a signal at the fuel injectors to be that the, to make sure that the fuel injectors are getting signal, and then I would go out and drive the vehicle. And uh, sometimes that takes a while. You know, you say it happens frequently, but when it's in my in my shop and I take a you know my normal little test drive, it, pretty good chance it's not going to happen. So, but we'll, once I get all the equipment hooked up, maybe we'll use it. You know, use the vehicle to run parts or whatever we have to do to spend the time to get it tacked up. Because when it finally fails, I need to know what ingredient is missing. And until I know that, it's just way too big to uh, to figure out. So uh, I think you're just going to have to find the right shop that's patient enough to do the testing that you need done so that you can, uh, can get to the bottom of it. Dan, a texter wants to know, does Lloyd's Automotive allow walk-ins on a Saturday? The uh, texter needs to replace a headlight. Uh, I don't, yes. I mean, certainly you can walk yeah. in anytime. I'm not sure how full we are. That's uh, true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see. But you can usually, call. usually on a headlight, uh, we can get that you in. Do that. So, yeah. Doable. Yep. But we'll get you a phone number in a minute or two. Yeah. Uh, 2006 Passat, impossible to get all, mainly the backsides and rear interior windows defogged defrosted in the cold. Uh, They've changed the cabin filter with no additional success. Fan and heater are working fine. Your thoughts? Well, uh, you know, as as part of that, the the air conditioning system runs in the defroster mode, so that is supposed to be drying the air out 
Um, and then the other thing I'm wondering is, does your heater core have a very, very small leak in it? And so as the air is blowing, is it actually getting more humidity in there because the uh, because there's a little bit of a coolant leak? And is that getting on the windows? Uh, so those are those are a couple of thoughts that are things you could check and and uh, and see what's causing it. But the car is designed to have clear windows in this climate, and if there, and if it's not uh, having clear windows, then something is wrong. Yeah, it okay. Needs attention. Here's one though. I don't think we've had this before. Is it okay to bring my own parts to a mechanic? Um, sort of not. Yeah. <laughs> you know the the. And trouble. Uh, well, there's a whole, uh, a couple of issues. One is, you know, we sit, we're in the business of selling parts. So one of the places that we make a profit on is selling parts. So if you bring your uh, own parts in, then we're not making that profit. So that's a deterrent for a reason that we uh, we wouldn't want to do it. And then the other reason is, when I do a repair on your car, I need to, I want to warranty that that repair. And if you bring your parts in, if you bring your own parts in, then I can't warranty my labor, and it puts you at risk. So uh, I think because of the risk factor, you probably uh, don't want to do that anyway. If if I'm gonna, if you're gonna pay me to repair your car, you probably want me to warranty it too. Sure, makes way, sense. The only way I can do that is with my own parts. Yeah, makes sense. All right. Well, thanks for the text. You know, we're just about out of time, and uh, referring to that previous texter who wanted to know. You know, you're like, you're like a barbershop. Walk-ins welcome. Yeah. You, you, you accept. Again, you don't know today how busy yeah. you are. but well, You're always welcome yes. at Lloyd's Automotive. So please stop in anytime and, and check with us. If we can't do it today uh, or quickly for you, we'll figure yeah. out a time that we can do it. And Well, what's uh, the info I'm to, go, to get I'm to? going to work this morning. Are so you? I'll be an extra hand. So we'll, Okay, uh, very good. Yeah. So you may be changing a headlight. Pretty good chance <laughs> I'll be changing a headlight, yeah. <laughs> How do we get in touch you with you You can give us a call at 651-228-1316. You'll find us at 982 Grand Avenue in St. Paul, or you also can make an appointment uh, online at lloydsautomotive.net, L-L-O-Y-D-S, lloydsautomotive.net. All right, very good. Dan, have a good week, and uh, thank you. Nick will be here next Nick week. Nick will be right? here next right. week, and uh, was, I'm celebrating my 40th wedding anniversary. Well, congratulations you to you guys. Who would have thought Linda. I'd have made it 40 years? You huh? and Linda from Walnut Grove. Walnut Grove. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Dan. You good bet. luck, and congratulations. Thank you. All right.